Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, that will be our first reading this morning. Today we're going to be wrapping up a series we started several weeks ago looking at sins of the tongue. In all of our lessons, one of the main things that I hope we take away from this series is how dangerous the tongue can be. There's a reason why James spends so much time warning us about how we need to control our our tongues, what we say, how we say it, why we say it. It's important for us to make sure that we control our tongues. There's a reason why Proverbs is filled with so many admonitions about when to speak, when to keep quiet. And so this morning, what I'd like to do is end this series of lessons on probably one of the biggest sins of the tongue that we can commit. Last week, we looked at lying. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at the idea of a gossiping tongue. Before we take it too far into the lesson, though, I want us to think about some misconceptions about gossip. Three things that I think a lot of people, when they think about gossip, uh, these are things that they get wrong when they consider gossip. First, let me suggest to you that a lot of people believe that gossip is mainly a woman's problem. We read in 1 Timothy chapter 5, I appreciate Brother Chet reading that. And yes, specifically there, Paul is talking to ladies about not being busybodies, not being gossipers. But I hope that we understand that men can be just as guilty of gossip as women. Everybody can be guilty of gossip. So when we talk about gossip, this is not just a woman's problem. No, gossip is a sin problem. Everybody can be guilty of gossip if we're not careful. Let me give you another misconception about gossip. A lot of people think that gossip, it's only about spreading bad news. If it's bad news, if it's something negative about somebody else, well, that's gossip. And yes, there is a lot of negativity when it comes to gossip. But can I suggest to you this morning that gossip does not necessarily have to be bad news. We can be gossips even if we're spreading what we would consider good news. I think one thing that we need to consider when we think about gossip is it any of our business to share. When we think about gossip, even if it's good news, even if it's something that someone will eventually share, ask yourself, is it my place to be the one who shares this news? Brethren, even good news can be considered gossip. One more misconception. I think a lot of times we look at gossip and we say, well, gossip is just hard to determine. Gossip, it's hard to know whether or not I am gossiping. It's hard to know whether or not if I spread something, if this is going to be considered gossip. Well, that's partly true. And what I mean by that is, I think on one hand, when we hear something, when someone tells us something, I fully believe that we have enough reason, we have enough common sense, that we can recognize gossip when we hear it. Oh, that person told me that. That, that just didn't sound right. Oh, they, they shouldn't have told me that. One, it probably wasn't their place. And two, uh, it sounded a lot like gossip. See, I think that we recognize gossip when we hear it. The difficulty comes in 
when we're the ones who are telling others about something. That's when it can be a little bit more difficult. Trying to determine if what I am about to say, if what I'm about to share, whether or not that really and truly is gossip. That's where it can be a little bit more difficult. So yes, while I believe that when we hear something, we know whether or not it's gossip, but when we're trying to determine whether or not to share something, to say something, I think that's where it gets a little bit more difficult to, re- to understand whether or not it's gossip. So this morning in our lesson, I want us to ask ourselves the question, are we gossipers? Do we spread gossip? Are we guilty of this sin of gossiping with our tongue? I fully believe that not just with gossip, but anytime we are going to say something, anytime that we feel we need to put our two cents into something, I think we just need to stop and think. Isn't that what James tells us in James 1 verse 19? Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Sometimes we just need to stop and think. People a lot more clever than I am have used that word think, and they have turned it into an acronym. Now, working for Boeing or working really for any government contractor, we love our acronyms, right? I can remember coming home from work and I would tell Laura, it's like, oh yeah, the ADAB and the EKV for the GPI on GMD, it's GTG. And she would look at me like, a lot of you are looking at me right now. Like, what are you, what in the world did you just say? But we love acronyms. I love acronyms because it helps me remember things. This morning, and I'm sure you've probably heard of this before, but we're going to take that word think. And we're going to look at what it can stand for when we think about in terms of what we're going to say. So let's take the first letter, the letter T. When we're trying to determine whether or not something is gossip, I think the first thing that we need to ask ourselves, is it true? Is what I am about to say, is it true? Here in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 37 We referenced this verse last week looking at lying, and God's expectation for us when we speak is for us to tell the truth. Here in the context, Jesus is talking about taking oaths, and he says, don't take an oath. Don't have to swear by something that you're telling the truth or swear that this isn't going to happen. In verse 37, he simply says, let your yes be yes and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. God expects his people to tell the truth. Now, just because something is true, though, does that mean it has to be shared? There's a difference there, isn't it? Just because something is true does not mean that it has to be shared. I think we look at God for this example. Look over in Deuteronomy chapter 29. Deuteronomy chapter 29. In our last lesson, we talked about how God cannot lie. God does not lie. And yet there are things that God does not tell us. 
Well, if God is true, and we know he is, John 17, 17, sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. Well, if God is the embodiment of truth, well, why doesn't God just tell us everything? Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29. Moses says the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. God's word is absolutely true. God cannot and he will not lie, but there are certain things that God will not share. We made this point last time. When's the world going to end? I don't know. Jesus tells us that only the Father knows that. Well, why doesn't he tell us? He doesn't have to. He's told us that the world will end. I believe God. But he doesn't have to tell us the exact date, even though he knows the date. So just because something is true does not necessarily mean that we have to share it. Let's go to Matthew chapters 18. And I think Jesus uses this illustration in Matthew chapter 18. In the context here, Jesus is talking about how to deal with someone who has sinned against you. And in this application that Jesus makes here, I want us to consider this idea of, are the things that I'm saying true? Let's just start reading verse 15. Jesus tells us, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. Now understand here that we're not saying that, oh, this might have been something they did against you. They might have sinned. No, I think what Jesus is saying here is that in verse 15, the truth is someone sinned against you. That is an indisputable fact. Someone did something to someone else. It was sinful. They have wronged them. But what does Jesus tell us to do? Is it true? I believe someone has wronged me. Someone has wronged me. What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to everybody else about it. I'm going to go spread and tell everybody what this person has done. It may eventually come to that. We'll read that in just a moment. But is it true? Yes. Does it need to be shared with everybody? Jesus says, first, you go to that person alone. If he hears you, you've got your brother back. And that's the end of it. Verse 16. But if he will not hear... Take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. So once again, if the one-on-one -on -one doesn't work, you don't go to every single person that you can think of and tell everybody what happens. No, Jesus says you just take one or two with you. Take one or two trusted people. Take one or two with you so that it can be established what has happened. Once again, if they listen, you've gained your brother back. But now look at verse 17. If he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Do you see the point that Jesus is making here? Something can be true. A brother has sinned against you. But you go spread it everywhere. Do you tell every single person that you know? Do you want everybody to know what that person has done to you? No. First you go to them. 
Then it's a couple more. Finally, it's to the church. Do you see the escalation process here? So ask yourself, is it true, but does it need to be shared? Is it something that other people need to know about? There are times where it can be true, absolutely. But maybe it doesn't need to be shared. So we've got T, true. Think about the H. Helpful. Is what I'm about to say or the news that I'm about to share, is it helpful? And I'm going to add to this question right here. Is it helpful or is it harmful? What we're about to say, first, is it true? But then is it helpful? Is it going to help the situation? Is it going to help the person or is it going to harm them? That's what we need to consider. Look over in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. This is another passage that we've looked at quite a bit in this series of lessons. Paul writes and says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Am I building up people with the words that I use, with the news that I share, is my intention to build up, to edify someone, or am I just wanting to tear them down? Do I stand to gain from from tearing somebody else down, from spreading this bad news? Is it helpful? Am I trying to help, to edify, or am I just trying to tear down? In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2 and verse 1, Paul talks about if a brother or sister is overtaken in trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one with the spirit of meekness and gentleness. Verse 2, he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Are my words helpful? Well, let me ask you this. Is the news that I'm about to share, is that going to help a brother or sister bear their burden? Or is it going to add to it? Am I going to help lighten a load? Or am I just adding to it? Isn't that one of the things that Jesus condemns the Pharisees for? In Matthew chapter 23, when Jesus is condemning the Pharisees, he says, you bind heavy burdens on other people, but you yourselves will not lift a pinky to help. If we want to know if we're a gossip or not, ask ourselves, is it helpful? Am I helping a fellow brother or sister in Christ, or am I adding to their burden? If we're adding to their burden, we are not fulfilling the law of of Christ. Proverbs, as I've already said, is just filled with so many admonitions. Proverbs chapter 26, and look in verse 20. The wise man says, Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no talebearer, your version actually may say gospel. Or slanderer. Where, where there is no talebearer, strife ceases. We have so many little sayings and idioms that we've come up with in our own language. 
Can I suggest to you this morning that 26 verse 20, what the wise man is saying is, are we pouring gasoline on a fire? There are times where our words, our actions, they do nothing to help a situation. Instead, all they do is inflame it. When we think about the words that we use, are we trying to put fires out or are we just trying to pour gasoline on it? Once again, read it again. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. Fire has to have fuel. I've told you before how I love to watch documentaries and one of the things I love to watch is, is all the different ways we fight fires and, and one of the things that I thought so interesting is that they interview these firefighters and sometimes when the fire is just so big you just can't control it by pouring water or something on it, what they do is they go out and they start digging out and they start taking all the fuel they can in front of the fire. And the hope is that eventually the fire will burn out. That is a natural example. We understand that. The wise man says the same thing about words. Where there's no gossiper, where there's no slanderer, where there's no talebearer, strife will cease. The fuel stops. So we ask ourselves, is what I'm saying true? Is what I'm saying helpful? What's the next letter? I. Is it inspiring? Are the words that I'm speaking, are they inspiring? Let me ask you that in a different way. What are my intentions for spreading the news? What are my intentions behind what I'm about to say? Let's go back to Philippians chapter 2. Brother Patrick read verses 5 before the Lord's Supper where Paul talks about let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, what mind did Jesus have? Well, let's jump back up to verse 1 and let's read verses 1 through 4. Paul says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. When I'm speaking about somebody, when I'm saying something about someone else, I need to ask myself the question, am I thinking about them in a good way? Am I wanting to, as we already said, build them up, edify them up, or am I only wanting to tear them down? What are the intentions behind my words? In 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1, Paul simply says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I think a question that we need to ask ourselves, would we want people to imitate us in how we speak, what we say? Would we want people to imitate us, to be like us? Or are we the kind of people who would tell others, do as I say, 
not as I do. Paul tells the Corinthians to imitate him as he imitates Christ. When we think about our speech, our intentions, whether or not we're inspiring others, ask yourself, would I really want others to talk, to spread stories, to spread news the way that I do? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Are our words inspiring? What are the intentions behind it? In Proverbs 16, verse 24, a very similar passage to Colossians 4, and verse 6, Paul tells us that we need to season our speech with salt. Colossians 4, and verse 6, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer one another. Proverbs 16 and verse 24, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. I'll ask you again, we've asked ourselves this many times throughout this series of lessons, is our speech properly seasoned? Do we season our words? Are they sweetened the way they should be? Are our words inspiring? Do we have good intentions? Understand that good intentions do not necessarily make it right. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what are my intentions behind spreading news? What are the intentions behind my words? Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? What's the next letter? N. Is it necessary? Does it need to be said? I've told you before that one of my favorite passages in Proverbs is Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 19. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Have you ever found yourself getting into trouble because you just talk too much? And I'm not necessarily talking about the student who won't be quiet when the teacher's talking. That's not what we're talking about. But somebody who just talks so much that eventually they're going to say something uh, that they probably just didn't need to say. (laughs) There are times where it's better for us just to keep our mouths shut. Do we get ourselves into trouble because we talk too much? Is what I'm saying, is it needed? Is it necessary? We already read Ephesians 4, verse 29, where Paul talks about how we need to edify one another. But did you notice there in verse 29, there was another word that Paul uses. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. Are the words that we speak, are they necessary? Are they needed? Because remember what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 and 37. Jesus tells us that we're going to know a tree by its fruits. And in verse 36, He tells us, I say to you that for every idle word... 
men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Do we remember that idea of an idle word? A useless, a worthless, a vain word? Jesus says you'll give an account for it. Do we speak idle words? Is it necessary? Do people need to know this? Is it needed for this conversation? Is it needed for us to spread that news? So we've got, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? What's next? K. Is it kind? Is it kind? Are we being kind when we speak? Brethren, I believe that kindness is something that is sorely lacking in our society. And that is not coming from a snowflake millennial who gets their feelings hurt at anything. That's not what we're talking about here. I fully believe that kindness is something that is in such short supply in our society. Because we're constantly, constantly filled with negativity. I don't know how many of you used to watch American Idol. I did. I remember the first couple of seasons back before like season 85 came out. It used to be, I, I would watch it, it was enjoyable. Out of the three original judges, who's the judge that everybody remembers? Simon Cowell. Why does everybody remember him? Because he was a jerk. He was a jerk. He was paid to be a jerk. You remember the people would come out and they would sing, Oh, you're just the worst singer I've ever heard. My ears are bleeding because of how awful your singing is. People would run out of there crying. And yet that's what got ratings, isn't it? People would laugh. People wanted to hear more of that. So it's amazing that in any competition, in any game show that you watch nowadays, there's always the jerk, right? Always the person who is unkind, and we applaud, and we laugh. That's what our society has become. Are the words that I speak, are they kind? In Proverbs chapter 15, Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 1, the wise man says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Have you ever been told, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. It's amazing how much of our language, how much of our communication is nonverbal, isn't it? When you're talking to somebody, we notice things about others. We notice the tone that somebody says something. We understand the body language of people. Isn't it amazing how much of what we say doesn't come out of our mouths? A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh answer stirs up strife. What we say and how we say it matters. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 4. 
We read verse 29 twice. Let's keep reading a little bit. In verse 30, he says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. In verse 31, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I'm going to tell you right now, brethren, Paul sets a really high bar here, does he not? Be kind to one another, but you don't just be kind. You be kind as Christ was kind to you. That's a high bar. How was Christ kind to us? But that's what Paul says the expectation is. You be kind to one another. Just as God is kind to you, as Jesus has been kind to you, you be kind to one another. Brethren, I fully believe that if more people would follow the golden rule, it would be a lot better world, would it not? And it's amazing to me how many people know the golden rule, but they don't recognize that it is a biblical principle. You've heard the golden rule before, haven't you? Do unto others as they would, as you would have them do unto you. Treat others the way that you would want to be treated. Talk to others the way that you would want to be talked to. Jesus says that. Matthew 7 and verse 12. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Are we following the golden rule? Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Brethren, I believe that if we follow that principle, I'm not saying that we will never gossip. That's not what I'm saying at all. But can we all agree that we'd gossip a whole lot less if we follow that principle? Take out your song books and turn to number the brother Luke selected. Are we just a bunch of busybodies? Are we just a bunch of busybodies who just want to be in everybody else's business? Brother, it's easy to get caught up in gossip. It is. It is easy to get caught up in gossip. But I hope that we know to guard our heart and our lips. Because we have to remember, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Guard our heart. Guard our lips. I'm going to ask you one more question. The same question we've asked in every one of these lessons. Are our words going to justify us? Or will our words condemn us? I hope the lesson has been beneficial. I joked and said that this was really the lesson somebody asked for. They just got four other ones for free. But I hope the lesson's been beneficial. I hope it's given us some things to think about. I don't ever hope to step on people's toes. 
But know that if I stepped on yours, I stepped on mine first. I sin with my lips. I sin with my tongue. And you do too. But the beauty of it is that even when we sin, we have an advocate. We have a mediator through Jesus Christ. This morning, if you're here and you've never been washed in the blood of Christ, you've never been buried with him in the, in the uh, baptism, then we're here to help. If you'd like to study some more about it, if you would like to know more about why, we, why the Bible teaches that you have to be baptized, I'll be happy to sit down and study with you. If you're here this morning and you want to be baptized, then we'll be happy to, to assist in that. If you're here this morning and there are things that are separating you from God, there's some kind of sin, there's some kind of thing, something that you're struggling with, whatever the case is, if you need help, we're here for you as well. We want to get to heaven. I want to go to heaven and I want you to as well. So this morning, if there's anyone subject to the invitation, Will you let us know as we stand and as we sing?